Throughout history, free thinkers have outraged the religious with their wacky ideas about the virtues of free speech, reason, and of course, eating babies. Now, God is dying, and it's time to dispose of his remains. From the pits of hell, Satan sends two puppets of the imperialist West and the Zionist Jews against God, Islam, and tiny kittens to bring you their propaganda and conspire for a new world order. This is Secular Jihadists for a Muslim Enlightenment with Ali Rizwi and Armin Navabi. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Secular Jihadists for a Muslim Enlightenment. My name is Ali Rizvi. Is Armin Nawab? As always, Armin, how are you? Good. And Ali's choppy connection is going to be fixed in two weeks, I think, correct? Two weeks, yes. I'm moving to a new place. So more details moving about that later. Okay, so, cool. What, what did you miss in the introduction? Um, no, that it was okay. Was it okay? People in the live chat, I think it was fine. Yeah, Don't worry, okay. about it. Fine. yeah. So, uh, in any case, yeah, this is just a situation, but so, so I wanted to talk about something today that I think is really important, and I think it's one of the most important, uh, sort of very interesting development because we've always talked about liberals, right? Especially liberal political leaders, um, being very soft on Islamic fundamentalism and on Islam in general and being religious for it. Now, Emmanuel Macron, president of France, has kind of broken this mold. I mean, this is a guy who's very good friends with Obama, very good friends with Joe Biden. Um, they were called BFF at one point. You can look that up. And what he's doing is doing something really interesting in France. And I think he's doing it in a way that it always should have been done. He's not doing it from a a point of view of bigotry, like a lot of far right type governments do, and he's not being a complete apologist rollover like many times we've seen Justin Trudeau do. Um, and I'm going to start with this, Armin. Uh, this is a tweet from Shireen Mazari. Shireen Mazari is uh, she is the Minister for Human Rights in. Pakistan, in Imran Khan, Prime Minister Imran Khan of Pakistan, his cabinet. And so she put out this tweet on November 21st, right? Uh, and this is after Macron announced that he is going to ban homeschooling, essentially, and require that all students get a an ID card with an ID number, right, to make sure that they're not, they're not violating the ban, they're all attending school, Right, with fines for people who don't. And this is what she tweeted out. She said, quote, Macron is doing to Muslims what the Nazis did to the Jews. Okay? Muslim children will get ID numbers. Other children won't, just as Jews were forced to wear a yellow star on their clothing for identification. End quote. We're okay, we refer to them as Yahtzees <sighs> here on this channel, this but okay. I swear, the next yeah. four episodes, I'll get it down. But so, so this is uh, it's a violation of Godwin's rule, and that's fine. We we're not huge fans of Godwin's rule here, but this was like a ridiculously hyperbolic statement. Um, the second thing is, it was completely false. Okay, not completely. I mean, what he well, pretty much completely. So this, when she's saying only Muslims will get those ID numbers, only kids from Muslim families. That's not true. 
every child will get it. They're not giving these ID numbers on the basis of uh, religion or race or anything. They're giving it to all of the kids. And yes, it is the response to his crackdown on Islamic fundamentalism because France has suffered uh, three terrorist attacks in just the last month, okay? And it has the largest Muslim population in all of Western Europe, right? So, Wait, so, I mean, do people not have student IDs in other countries? Like, would any number, like this person that thinks that the student's getting their own numbers... Do they think like any numbering, like do, do they have passport? If that's what it is like, if she's comparing that to what happened under Yahtzee Germany, um, does do passport numbers also? No. Th yeah. So this is the, at first, so there's two aspects to this. First of all, uh, he's doing this in response. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm yeah. not criticizing response. I'm just saying you're criticizing the comparison because these, um, the people from where is this? Uh, human rights activist uh, official yeah. from Pakistan. She's the, the human rights minister in minister. Uh, the, the Pakistani government. Yeah, in Pakistan, she's comparing Macron. Okay, so the reason why Macron is doing this is to make sure that all students are getting the proper education and they're not being raised in these echo chambers in this bubble by their parents, uh, separated from French society, separated from French values, um, which is which causes two separate things. One is radicalization and also segregation and creating this two-tier system in France. They want, he wants to make sure French, uh, French Muslims grow up f feeling French, feeling connected to the rest of, uh, to the rest of France, uh, French society, feeling like this is their country. Um, and this is not, not just good for French Muslims growing up so that they feel part of the society, but it's also, I think it will help reduce anti-Muslim bigotry because more non-Muslim French people will grow up side-by-side side French Muslims in their classes. They will be interacting with them. They will be doing group projects with them. Uh, they will become do play with them in the, um, you know, in the playground uh, between classes. Uh, they would have to communicate with them. So I think it will help Muslim community as well. If the next generation of Muslims see, grow up next to these Muslims instead of in a separate part of in separate schools, separate shopping places, separate streets. I think this really helps both Muslims and non-Muslims, these, these kind of measures, right? But so that I agree with very much what Macron is doing here. But I'm just wondering how this how this person managed to become from Pakistan managed to be the head of human rights like how, what kind of credentials do you need? What kind of education do you need to become the head of human rights? If you compare giving students numbers, ID numbers, so that you could track the education that they're getting, if you could compare that with targeting targeting Jews under um, Yahtzee Germany, like yes, really, like I mean, and if if you want to make that comparison. Like, wouldn't but the situation in Pakistan be a lot closer? I mean, given considering like officially announcing an entire group of Ahmadis as non-Muslim in an Islamic country and a, a direct target of, um, you know, um, harassment and 
legal punishment like isn't that i mean that's not even that is not close to what happened to happen in Nazi germany but isn't that like a bit close like really like numbering okay but again if you just give hand out numbers to people and that's all of a sudden oppression again passport numbers become oppression wouldn't they like i don't know maybe i'm misreading my well, no you absolutely nailed it so the difference between this and the comparison she's making under Yahtzee germany is that <laughs> is that this is pro-Muslim. This is an attempt at being inclusive. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's not that, you know, we're not even, you know, you said, and you correctly said, that uh, what Macron is doing is he wants these young kids from Muslim families in France to feel like they're part of French society. Well, it, he wants them to feel like they're part of their society. French society is their society. They they're are French. French. They're right. French. So that he does not want them to be excluded. He wants them to go to school with all of the other French kids. He wants them to be at equal standing with all of the other French kids. All of the other non-Muslim French kids are also getting ID numbers. And to the question you were asking about passports and things, yeah, you know, you have your social insurance numbers, social security number, whatever, but uh, there isn't anything that actually specifically track students at the governmental level, right? So universities will sometimes give students their student ID numbers and things like that, but the government doesn't usually do that. What he's doing is he wants the government to do it because he wants to. A lot of this stuff that's happening in France is homegrown. It's homegrown. So he wants to make sure, right, that the kids who are from you know, other non-conventionally French cultures, like, you know, from Muslim families uh, or other like Christian fundamentalist families or whatever, like these kids don't get left behind. They don't become indoctrinated, right? They're not, um, and this is a problem. The, the U.S. doesn't do this. And that's why you go to Utah and you see the Mormon kids, right? What, what they're growing up with, right? They're going through child abuse. Like nobody even knows they're in a, in a bubble, Scientologists, they keep them. We had, remember when we had day, uh, that, uh, uh, what was his name? Uh, Ron Miscavige on the show. And he was talking about what it was like being in that Scientology compound and how terrible it was for the kids. Right? You look at uh, the, we had Ari Hershkowitz on the show, right? The the kid who grew up in among Hasidic Jews and they, they didn't even, a lot of them didn't even know English. They had no way to integrate into American society even though they were living in the US. I mean, this is the kind of thing that this is a big problem in a lot of Western countries. But what Macron is doing is he's saying, no, if you are a child, right, who just happened to be born into a family that wants to keep you separate from your society, from your people, from your potential peers, we're not going to allow that. When you grow older, you can make that decision, but we're not going to let you be brainwashed and indoctrinated. So homeschooling is being banned unless for very special situations like handicapped children or some other special That's needs. Right. I don't know, right? Um, <clears throat> but what about, John is asking in the live chat, what about private schools? Still allowed? Islamic private schools? Is that allowed? Uh, like faith-based Islamic schools. Yes, he's asking. That's a good question. I'm looking it up. Uh, as far as I know, mm -hmm. I think that he wants to uh, crack down on uh, Islamic schools as well. He wants to crack down on um, uh, mosques that are receiving foreign funding. So he's allowing some of that stuff, but he so, wants to... Yeah, go ahead. What about people who say, like, okay, homeschooling should be allowed. That's too much government. 
overreach to ban homeschooling? What do you think to that? Well, I mean, that, that's the question. So he's, uh, he's disagreeing with it. That's why this is controversial because it's a uh, – look, when it comes to children, it's kind of interesting that this is – I mean, even in the U.S. and Canada, it's like this, that children are not really – if you look at children as property, the guardian of the kid ultimately is the government, right? The government is a guardian of the child. The parents have a lot of leeway to raise the kids the way they want. The moment you abuse a child, if you are a Christian scientist and you decide not to give your kid antibiotics for life-threatening bacterial infection, the government and the courts are going to intervene. They're going to take mm. that child away from you and give them life-saving treatment. But if you are, if it's non-life-saving, if it's non-threatening, you know they want to try alternative stuff. They usually give leeway to that. So this is it's it's kind of a blurred line in terms of the yep. outreach. But when there is a case of direct abuse, right, hmm. or uh, then some governments think that they should step in, right? So this is just an arbitrary kind of um, designation in terms of, you know, where that line is. You know, when it comes to government involvement, I always see myself as very aggressively on many examples towards more freedom rather than less freedom, okay? There are some there are many exceptions, but more often I see myself as a less government involvement in when it comes to personal freedom. Um, but that doesn't apply to children at all for me. When, when it, I don't think like we, uh, the freedoms that we're fighting for, I think more uh, is applies to adults. Uh, I don't think the children deserve a lot of the freedoms that we have been fighting for adults for, right? Like we do not, we do not, give children the freedom not to go to school, right? Or not to do their homework or to eat whatever they want. Um, consent really doesn't matter. Like if children were like, yeah, I want to be, I want to work at a mine. I give full consent. I want to be <laughs> like, a, I want to work at it. Like, you know, yeah, we don't care. Like you don't, sorry, you don't get to work. You don't get to go to war, even if you fully consent. Right. Um, so, or, or get a tattoo. Like let's say the child say like I fully consent. I want a tattoo on my back. I'm like yeah, sorry, you don't have that freedom. You can't do that. Um, we can chop off your yeah, foreskin or, though. We can we can mutilate your genitals. That but, sh yeah. that yeah, that should be taken. God allowed that. That's what. Yeah. No, but I'm just saying like when it comes to children, the government has a role to protect its citizens. Um, you, you know, when it comes to trading secure um, freedom for security, um, when it comes to adults, I'm more like on the side of freedom. But when it comes to children, because they do not have the mental capacity of adults, it's more on the side of security, right? That's why, for example, with vaccines, right? Children should get vaccinated. There's no ifs or buts about it. Uh, the government can, like the, a lot of the government overreach that I consider to be overreach for adults, when it comes to children, I think it's completely justified, right? Well, because because with the security, you're securing their freedom, right? Because if you don't, right then what you're doing is you're clamping down on their freedom. If you're allowed to just put your four-year-old daughter in a burqa and hijab and have her stay home isolated from everybody, just reading the Quran all the time and not teaching her math and science because you want her to get married instead of become an engineer, then right. you are abusing that child. You're restricting and destroying that child's freedom, right? You're, you're sort of, the, uh, you're, you're clamping down on it before it even has a chance to evolve. 
Right. right. And, so, par- mm-hmm. and parents, a lot of people talk about parents' rights. I mean, to me, I always find that confusing is because it seems like par- what what parents' rights are you talking about? These are citizens of a country that require more protection than other citizens because first they, especially from people that they trust the most, which are the parents um, who could be abusing them, who are the people that they trust the most. So, so they're the most vulnerable. So if the parents are not raising them up properly or giving them a proper information or not protecting them against the disease, the government has more responsibility to protect them from the parents than any other group of people, you know, because these are the people that could be the source of harm to them more than anyone else. So when they saw talk, when they say parents' rights, uh, like, no, the children, the children's rights is more important to me than the parents' rights. And the parents, like, what do you mean parents' rights? The parents don't own their children. These are like, just because it came out of your body, that doesn't mean like, it's your property or something, right? Do you know, these are, do you know something? These yeah. are citizens, and the government has a responsibility uh, over protecting, especially if it, if the harm is coming from the parents. But go on. Yeah, you know something? Remember when we had Sibir Rahman on the show, the pediatrician? Um, mm. And she was talking about, I, th- I think it was on this podcast, where she talked about the amount of child abuse she sees as a pediatrician. Well, I used to do, uh, as a pathologist, I did autopsies, and, and I did a lot of children's autopsies, right? Little kids. And you read the clinical histories of their mothers, right? Often, you know, the mothers, the fathers, they were d- doing cocaine. I remember seeing one uh, kid, uh, one mother who was really young. She'd had like five or six uh, uh, miscarriages. And, you know, then, you know, one of her kids had died. And it's now what's interesting is that when people adopt, do you have any friends who've adopted children? Right. So, um, no. okay. I, I have a lot of friends who've adopted kids. And I don't have a lot of friends to begin with. Oh, Armin. Well, you know, that's what I'm here for. Um, I, I, so when you have, um, when people go and adopt, Armin, they make you do police background checks. They make you go through hell. And these are people who've been desperate to have kids. They can't have kids. So they decide to adopt and they will spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, not just on like, just to get an adopted child if they're trying to bring them in their registration accepting them as citizens you know the it's insane what they have to go through just to see that they're qualified parents but when it comes to reproducing people can just have kids and i've always said an ideal world and this is okay i'm not for you know uh, this whole forced reproduction or reproductive restrictions but you know it, it would be I, I almost feel like you need to have a license to be able to have a child like that's how important it is. So people screw up. I, they, I don't agree with that policy. I don't think you should. But I'm just saying, just as a as a you know as a sort of whimsical thing, it's it's amazing the way that parents can destroy their kids. Right? Is incredible. It's incredible the way they indoctrinate them, the way that they abuse them, uh, and especially a lot of this is in the name of religion. You know, we've seen that over and over again. So. And the, I think this is a, a good thing. It's like, okay, you know, we're not going to, you are, you have parents, as parents, you have freedom, but we, every kid is, every kid has to go to school. So what we're doing is we're just making sure that they have to go to school to one of our public schools. So l- let me just read out some of the points of what the bill has. Okay. Should I just go through it? So we have some uh, other points here to clarify. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So, so the bill, here's some pointers. So the bill would first a facilitate 
state intervention when officials so sh show signs of radicalization. Number two, it will strengthen controls and dry up the funding of organizations that promote radicalism under the guise of sport or leisure. Um, number three, it will make school compulsory from the age of three and ban homeschooling to prevent the formation of Islamic schools, although children with health problems are exempted. Okay, so there's your answer about the Islamic schools thing. So they actually want to prevent that. And that's why they are actually going to make school compulsory, public school compulsory for all kids to go to. Then they're going to focus on monitoring language schools. So like schools that teach in Arabic, schools that teach in other languages, create a certification for French imams, which is fantastic. Like you have to go through a certification process if you want to be an imam in France. Um, uh, and then monitor the funding of religious groups in foreign countries and prohibit projects incompatible with the values of the Republic. Now, this is about the mosques receiving foreign funding uh, and then set aside 10, 10 million euros to support high level Islamic studies and create a scientific institute of Islamology. So they are going to promote uh, the study of Islam. They're gonna promote a program where they teach <laughs> Islamic studies. They're putting 10 million euros into it for high-level Islamic studies. I don't like that. That's like too much government involvement in ideologies. Well, I mean, nobody has to enroll in it. It's just the government on its own. It just is still government. Mm, the government is doing a study or something? I don't know. No, no, no. They're, they're creating a high-level Islamic studies program. Uh, By the and, government? Yeah. They're, they're, no, they're not setting it up themselves. They're putting 10 million euros in yeah, it. Yeah, but the, that's taxpayer money, though. Yeah, to support it, to support high-level Islamic studies. Well, taxpayer money, listen, you've got all this taxpayer money that goes into uh, giving tax breaks support, to churches. Like, what is this? Is like objectively studying the history, or is this like Islamic propaganda, but the version of Islamic propaganda the government approves? This seems very anti... It, depending on what is this, this is about, it could be very anti-secular to me. Okay, so listen, they're setting aside 10 million euros to support... Mm -hmm. right? They're not going to create it themselves. They're going to support. This is like you know the government this, puts money. This is the same thing. What's the difference? Do you think okay. like do you I, think when they make it themselves, does that mean like that they're funding other people who are doing the study? Do you think that Macron himself is actually, if it wasn't, is going to be doing the study? And no, the, no, they're going like, to. They're going to the create it. I love the money is basically the same as creating it themselves. Yeah, go on. They will create it. So they're saying they want to create a, a scientific institute of Islamology. So they want to, this is a government project. So what is this for though? What does it do? Like, is it objectively like, what is it like, is it going to be promoting a brand of Islam over another one? Uh, it's like, it's going to be a study of Islam, probably a secular study of Islam. The scientific study of Islamology means the study of Islam. It's not of, uh, uh, to what end? I don't know. Because it, no an objective of an, okay. Because, okay. 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 When it comes to study of Islam, there is a theological perspective and an objective perspective. It's not okay, theological. Yeah. Okay. If it's an objective perspective, it does nothing on people's ideologies, right? Like, what are you like? What are you, an objective study of Islam is what? Like, oh, look at this coin during the Umayyad dynasty, and it was like had a cross on it. Why did it have a cross on it? Like, what? What? Like that is that is an objective study of history of Islam, mm -hmm. and that does nothing on changing the people's views on the ground. Okay, so the only one that could like 
people imagine has any influence on people's opinion on the ground is a theological uh, study or promotion of a certain views on Islam, which no government has should should have any role in, in my opinion. What, so I don't why? Know what it, they're, no, hmm? they're not going to. It's not not a theological thing. But why wouldn't the other one have any influence? I mean, if you're, if I you, didn't say it does or doesn't, mm -hmm. that's another debate. Okay, because if we open that can of worms, that's going to be like another discussion. But whether it does or not doesn't, the government now all of a sudden coming and putting their weight behind certain theological perspectives over others. That is like, what the hell are you even doing? Like, get the but hell out of here. That's this not is what not they're your doing. Feel. Okay, they're not doing. What, are, what are they? Because if they're not, if they're doing the other thing, no, 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 hold on. Let me, yeah. let me, let me just tell you what they're doing. It's okay. called. It's a study of Islamology. Islamology is not a, a study on theology. Islamology is studying the history of Islam, what Muslims believe, how Islam started. It's that kind of thing. It's just sort of creating a certain. To what end? To what end? To to, do to educate people and make them uh, more aware of it. Maybe they want to uh, help could, integrate the Muslims. I mean, I'm not saying that I support the curriculum completely. Right? That will but, help academ academic scholars. It's not going to have any impact on the average Muslim living in France. It may not. But what it will do is that young kids who are growing up and they go to these secular schools 20 years from now and they think, okay, what do I want to study? Well, there's a Islamology Institute. My parents were Muslims. Right? This was a controversial thing. I just want to see what is this? What did my parents believe? Where did all this stuff come from? They was might this go and not... it. It's Wait. an academic study of it. It's just now the thing is, look, they already have programs like this all over. I'm the, just, I just, it's a, I, again, I'm not saying this is a bad or good thing. It's just whenever I see government getting involved with religion, it's a red flag for me, right? I'm so, not, I'm not you, being right now, I'm not saying it's a bad thing or a good thing. I just like, I just get like, I have this like, reaction to seeing government getting involved with any religion like i think even if it's a good thing if you don't if this is not a red flag for you then i mean as a secular activist this should be a red flag for you maybe you go look a, into it I, hmm? uh, for me it's a very very sort of uh a pale pink flag so in the sense that I would be cautious about it and cautious to see whose hands it falls under. Now, if they appoint like one of these like crazy people to run it or something, that's a, that's a different thing. I wouldn't put it past them. But you have institutes in Germany who do academic scholarship of Islam that do get government support. Like I said, they do get the government support because they are researching certain things. They get federal funding to do all kinds of research. Um, now, the most important thing is that people get tax benefits tax benefits, churches, um, you know, mosques, uh, synagogues, they do not have to pay taxes. And that's also a way of governmental support. I think that is much, much more problematic. And it's all over. It's everywhere. So I, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of it. But I think that they want to try and uh, promote instead of indoctrination and theological indoctrination of mm -hmm. people. Uh, for the Muslim kids and the ones who are not Muslim, they're completely in the dark as to what this is. And the only uh, exposure they're getting to 10% of their population, 10% of uh, France is, is Muslim. The only exposure they're getting to that is through these terrorist attacks. And that's the only thing that they're getting. There is an attempt to try and integrate everybody and have the non-Muslims learn more about the whole Muslim I thing. 
and have Muslims learn more about their I own like, yeah, we, Okay, so I, if I was, yeah, I think if I was in charge of anything or if I was like a suggesting, I would be like, let's make critical thinking skill classes mandatory for everybody since uh, mm -hmm. that would be the number thing I would recommend, okay? I agree, since, yeah. Since elementary school, right? Just learning logical fallacies, and that should be mandatory for all the students, okay? Um, then if it comes to religion, to teaching, to make teaching religion and de-radicalizing or even um, fighting against any form of dogma, I would not... What I would have the government do is to study the history of religion as a whole, which would include skeptics and atheists throughout history as well, right? So that's what I would suggest. Like I would include as part of mandatory part of school curriculum to learn about the history of all religions globally, including the pushback against it. Um and the skeptics and the protests and the atheists, right? So I think mm -hmm. that would help. I think that would be, and again, if I do every religion, then that c comes off a, a lot more secular to me than if I was like, that's fun, this is Islamic studies. Again, I know that studying Islamic history by itself um, is very, you know, objectively, it's not religious propaganda and it's very, very helpful. Um, I just, uh, don't know how much of an influence like that's what the only way that could have an effect on the ground is if people elect because you can't force Islamic studies on people right um, like I know other people have taken like studies like um, we saw Humanist Society of Santa Barbara mentioning in live chat that she took a, a history of atheism lecture and that she liked it and that was she found it very helpful and I think that would be very helpful, but that's not something that most people will go and seek. And you can't mm. force people to seek them. And I'm pretty sure whoever takes that is going to find it helpful and it's going to be... Um, but again, this is going to have a very have an impact on a very fringe group of people. The only way that you can mandate this, this any form of studies on, on all the students if you do a history of religion class and therefore the government is not picking any religion and then now you could say everybody in high school has to take history of religion class on all on mm -hmm. all religions and i think that would be a better better deradicalization place. sure yeah yeah so i i think that uh, it's kind of i feel like this is something that's different that's very i mean not, not i'm moving away from this whole uh, the the institute but just overall the way that uh, macron is messaging is actually the answer to a question a lot of us have had for a long time. Like, you know, how do you do this? What would, we've seen far right people go after Muslims and go after Islam all the time. We agree that that's not the right way to go. We've seen the so the leftists sort of bend over backwards to try and accommodate it. We know that's not the right way to go either. So how would a liberal, right, take this on in a way that is beneficial? And I think that the messaging for this has been amazing. So one of the things, mm -hmm. Uh, that he is saying, right, is, for example, here's a quote. He said, quote, secularism is the glue of a united France. Our challenge is to fight against those who do rather in the name of religion while protecting those who believe in Islam and are full citizens of the Republic. Like, he is doing this as a way to 
uh, protect them. Another thing that he said was that he accepted responsibilities. Like France, the French state itself is partly responsible for the ghettoization of communities where radical Islamists have established themselves because it has not paid them enough attention. Where we have moved away, they have stepped in. So he's saying that we need to reach out to our Muslim communities. And he's accepting blame. He's accepting blame. We need to reach out to them. We need to incorporate them and bring them in. And we have to recognize this problem because they are the ones who are the victims of it. Their children are the ones who are becoming victims of it. And now let me tell you a lot of like, when they banned the burqa, like about 50% of the Muslims in France in France agreed with it, even though I don't agree with it, but uh, 50% of the Muslims agree agree with it too. Yeah, so there's a lot of, um, you know, when they, uh, the way that he has been messaging this, saying that Islam is in crisis, he has been making that distinction that we have talked about for ages and ages and ages between Islam and Muslims. Now, it's not perfect. He says, you know, Islam, they're doing it in the name of Islam. They're yeah, they're making derailing the name of Islam. All of that. Yeah, it's not perfect. Yes. It's not perfect, but he's making that distinction. He's like, we don't want this indoctrination of the ideology, but we want to respect the Muslims that are here and their children. We need to reach out and bring them into French society because that is who they are. They should right. not be separate and separate from them. Yeah. So he's doing two things. He's he's taking an aggressive stance against Islam. Unfortunately, he calls it political Islam. We think that's just Islam. But again, it's not. We can't ask for too much. It's already it's better politician. than. Yeah. It's already better than most politicians or whatever. Um, he's taking an aggressive stance against that, and he's being very inclusive and to Muslims and treating them like not otherizing them, um, wanting to make them feel welcome, wanting them to make them feel like France is their country, that the government represents them. Um, so it's a, he's doing a very, like, relative to other politicians, he's doing it so far. Again, it, there are some things I've seen that has been concerning me, but so far he's, he's the best I've ever seen. Um, and one thing that a lot of Muslims don't realize, for first, I I follow a lot of Muslims to see how they cover this. They do not, uh, when they are, like, highlighting Macron, all of this language that is being nice to Muslims and he's saying like um, he wants to make them feel welcome, that we shouldn't like demonize them, we shouldn't otherize them. And they don't highlight any of that because they want to demonize Macron and everything France does. Um, but one thing that they just focus on the fact that he's protecting the cartoons and how oppressive that is to Muslims, that he's protecting the cartoons. And they compare this to... Uh, acts of genocide against Muslims and other discrimination, which is very, I think, which is very bigoted against Muslims themselves to compare. uh, First of all, they act like the cartoons are coming from the government uh, itself, which is moronic. The government is basically not banning them, and they think like the government is endorsing the cartoons just because they're not banning them. But But the... The lack of banning of the cartoons is being compared by all these uh, Muslim um, content creators to acts of genocide uh, on Muslims by other oppressors, which is very unfair towards Muslims who have been victims of violence, oppressions, and genocide. For their for their suffering to be compared for their suffering to be compared to people being exposed to cartoons, and another thing that a lot of Muslims in France may not understand or being lied to about. Is if is how this how how much an aggressive stance against uh, um, Islam, uh, radical Islam in France, 
how much that coming from Macron, how much this will help them. Because I don't know if they understand that if how how frustrated and tired a lot of non-Muslim French are uh, of a lack of backbone by the politicians and how much of an easy push this is towards more far-right governments if this, gov if this more mainstream liberal governments don't take a stand. And basically what Macron is doing is a major favor to Muslims in France by taking a strong stance. He's avoiding... Uh, these far right groups becoming more and more popular. Like if I, if you're a Muslim in France, you would want Macron to go even more aggressive than he what he's doing. So to steal this platform away, because if he doesn't, all he's going to be doing is going to be giving an excuse for the far right people to come in and appeal to the people that do want a stronger pushback. And again, if these people, if these far right groups become more popular in France, that's not going to be a France that these Muslims would like to be living under. Under so, for the sake of Muslims themselves, they should be demand, they should be wanting Macron to take a, a strong stance so that the far right groups don't become more influential. But go on. Yeah. So I'll, you know, here's here's a quote that actually applies a lot to us. So he talked about uh, when people asked him, he was trying to be. Uh, to target Muslims, he said specifically, I don't feel my speech was against Muslims. It's like, on the contrary, right? He said, we must help this religion to organize itself so that it is a partner of the Republic. We must build an enlightenment Islam, he said, you know, referring to the philosophical movement that promoted the separation of church mm -hmm. and state. So um, maybe we should have him on this podcast. Yeah, and like this, getting hey, so close to the name. Yeah, yeah. Like we have a show I don't think he'd know what to do. He's like, okay, I love the secular parts. I love the enlightenment parts. But, you know, it's okay. hotter. Yeah. You're getting a little bit choppy. But I just want to clarify that. I just want to clarify that the, the things that we don't like about the, the way it's being used, the, the whole mention of political Islam is ridiculous. There is no such thing as political Islam. Islam as a whole is political. So this whole separate Islam is separating Islam from Islamism, separating Islam from political Islam doesn't make any sense. But again, Macron is a politician. I don't think it would be it would be fair for us to expect him to come out and say, yeah, like, yeah, Islam is a violent religion and it's all political. Like, yeah, we can't expect him to say anything like that. This is already pretty much further than most of us expect. I mean, he did come out and say that people are misusing Islam um for their own radical agenda and i'm like yeah they're not i mean they're just using islam for to do exactly what it's supposed to do so again these are like stuff that we don't i mean we don't get to be that picky about uh it's already much better than most people um i do also want to mention that this whole accusation of macron authorizing muslims uh even though he's doing the exact opposite of trying to he's doing the make, exact opposite yeah. he's doing the exact opposite of authorizing muslims he wants to do he's trying to push forward to make them feel more included and more uh, feel like again so here's the thing the muslims in france feel less they that grow up feeling less like france is their home and that they are French than Muslims in Canada or Muslims in the United States. More Muslims in Canada feel like Canada is a country, uh, on, you know, on a per capita basis than Muslims in France. Okay, and that's something that needs to change. And Macron is doing that. But you know, the people who are authorizing Muslims are Muslim leaders from other countries who keep referring to Muslims 
in France as if they are their people against French people, right? So the way that like leaders from Iran, Turkey, Malaysia, and Pakistan come and talk about Muslims in France, they don't even refer to them as French. They refer to them as if they're part of their ummah, as part of their community, as if Erdogan or Rouhani or Emran uh, Khan, as if they represent the, they as if they are representative or leaders of this group of people in France that that have nothing to do with you. They never elected you. They didn't choose you as their leaders, and you're coming and speaking on their behalf uh, and acting like they are your people just because they're Muslim and you're Muslim, and you don't even refer to them. If you listen to the language, they they speak as a, to them as like French people against Muslims, as if as if the Muslims in France are not French. So they use this other otherizing language and they act like they're the guardians of Muslims in France. Um, and they want the Muslims in France to feel like they, they are not French and that Macron does not have their best interests uh, in mind and that they do. So they are, they are promoting the segregation. They are trying to claim these people. And this is, this is the real act of, otherizing Muslim and making them like as if they're separate from the rest of France, right? And to, to encourage that separatism. So again, this otherization is coming from Muslim leaders that are not French, that have no business in getting involved uh, in, you know, you know who, these are not your people. And again, these, by the way, these are the same people, uh, at least when it comes to Iran and um, Pakistan, uh, and Malaysia, Turkey is an exception, that do not feel the same uh, level of entitlement when it comes to Muslims in uh, China. So that's another whole level of hypocrisy that we don't even, I don't even know if you want to touch here. But Bagon, Ali, you want to say something? I saw you on mute. Well, actually, I did want to kind of touch on some of those things because we started this with a tweet from Shireen Mazari, who's a human rights minister in Imran Khan's government in Pakistan. Okay. And I, I want to, I, can I share my screen or does that mess anything up? Armin. You, you can share your screen, but we have to explain it very, uh, to the people who are listening. To the audience. Okay, let's see if yeah. this works with my crazy Just click screen, connection. share screen. I'm going right. to read secular page, uh, Proton's comments is saying, I want France to become a country where we can teach the thought of what is this? Avero, oh, Averos and Ibn Khaldun. Oh, oh, Aver, um, I think you're talking about Ibn Sina. Yeah. And Ibn Khaldun, Macron said. Yeah. Can you Aver see this, what I'm sharing? Click on screen share. You didn't click on screen share. Wait. Averos, is that? I didn't. Oh, that's weird. Okay, I thought I did. Oh, Averos is Ibn Rushd. Okay. Okay, so it's a, it yeah. says that uh, they've uh, uh, I, I can't share my screen. Streamyard's not me to do it, so I'm actually going to send this link to you so you can share it because it's very important. So this is an image that I'm going to show from Pakistan, okay? Uh, and what happened in Pakistan recently is there is this cleric named Khadim Rizvi, same last name as me, no relation, thank you very much. Um, this man was a big proponent of the blasphemy law. Where did you send it? On the private chat here, it says server error. Really? Yeah. Oh God. Okay. Hold on. Let me just. Uh, okay. Anyway, um, here. Okay. Try this one. 
almost done and okay here you go no are you kidding me seriously it's not copying all right okay i'll talk while i do this so yeah what happened was that uh that this man right who was notorious for encouraging violence against um minorities in pakistan especially emadi muslims right you know like i if it doesn't share that's okay so emadi muslims he says that they're non-Muslim. He says that they should be treated as apostates and blasphemers. Uh, he supports the death penalty against them. He supports the death penalty against blasphemers. He is one of the people who uh, put a fatwa on previous our previous guest here, Shan Tasir, the son of the Punjab governor, you know, who was murdered by his bodyguard too. So there you go. Right. So th this is a picture of his funeral from just a few days ago. All right. It's like millions of people there's more people who showed up at this than the maga the maga march in washington dc which was supposed to be the million maga march this is a, a, an iconic symbol in lahore pakistan the city i was born and these people are all there to celebrate this man the death of this cleric right not a word about this not a word okay imran khan actually sent out a tweet offering condolences so like you know we're very sad to hear that this man died um the same time, around the same time, this young uh, man named Tahir Ahmed, I think, uh, he was a, a doctor, was Ahmadi, who was murdered purely because he was Ahmadi. Christians like Asya Bibi persecuted, all right? Hindus persecuted in Pakistan. Nothing about them. The way that Pakistan, if France treated its minorities, if Pakistan treated its minorities anywhere near as good as France does, whatever France's issues are, and we'd be having an entirely different conversation. More than that, Imran Khan is still not saying a word about the Uyghur genocide in China. Okay, there's Muslims in concentration camps. Their organs are being harvested. Uh, I mean, the entire thing, it's, it's a human rights catastrophe that's happening against Muslims there. And they think, and, and yet this human rights minister has the balls to come out and say that, uh, well, you know, Macron by, you know, call, uh, saying that all students have to be, have ID so they can all be included in the school system in France, that that is somehow equivalent to targeting people for genocide. Right? So the hypocrisy yeah. here is absolutely crystal clear and transparent. Hmm. Right. And, yeah. and, and she lied about it too. Like it's, it's, it's not. She said it was only the Muslim students have to. That's not true. It's not true. Every student in France would be getting these ID numbers. Every single student, just to prevent homeschooling. Yeah, and guess what? Before and after these student IDs, it was always it was preferable to be a Muslim in France than Pakistan before these IDs, and after these IDs, it's still preferable. To be a Muslim living in France than it is a Mus to be a Muslim living in Pakistan. Any one of these people in this picture would pr trade places with Muslims in France. <laughs> the vast majority of them, if you ask them, would you want to live in France instead of Pakistan? I bet you the answer would be yes. Yeah, I mean it's 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 insanity. Like it's just kind of, but you don't know what to do. The the problem is that. We have normalized so much stuff. I mean, this is the kind of thing, if you saw that crowd, right, and then you had this, uh, you know, minister posting 
an official statement for the government. Like normally people would be furious. This would be just be something where everybody'd call out their hypocrisy, but it's just so expected now. It's so expected now that we've normalized it. So we don't even call these things out anymore. We don't even call out any of this hypocrisy anymore. We can't. Um, Susanna is saying there have been at least five targeted ass uh, assassinations of uh, Emedes in the past three months. And yeah, that's, I mean, this is something that keeps on going. These are just the ones that you read about in the news. And right. actually, right now, Pakistan is moving in the direction to um, make accusations of blasphemy on Shia Muslims a lot, right? So again, being Shia Muslims are now starting to, which is kind of, I mean, some people might be, feel justified to, again, don't be tempted to be, to see any kind of poetic justice in this because she has used to be allied with Sunnis to go after Ahmadis, right? And now, now, see, like I said, I said, don't be tempted by this, okay? But it's like Ali is being tempted. But now Shias are like, now the Sunnis are turning on Shias. Shias are a minority in Pakistan. And now they're getting it. Again, this is not fair because it's collective punishment. It doesn't mean just because some Shias were, um, but again, don't give in to this. Okay, this is bad. But a lot of Sunnis are now going after Shias as a minority and they're considering the cursing of Abu Bakr, Omar, and Osman to be blasphemy. Uh, so now a lot of Shias in Pakistan are now be going to be considered heretics. So again, Musliming in Pakistan is going to be more and more difficult compared to before. Like you used to be like an average mainstream Muslim yesterday, and now all of a sudden you're being considered one of the heretics uh, or one of the infidels that is deserving of the death penalty because you're insulting one of the um, Rashidun. Um, and again, so... If you even if you're a Muslim in Pakistan, if you're not the right type of Muslim, or if you are a Muslim that just like offhand makes the wrong remark about Muhammad or anything like that, it's not easy right now. The accusations of blasphemy are just flying left and right in Pakistan. It's very tense. The situation is very tense, and the consequences are huge. Again, most of the well, not most, all of the people in Pakistan who died from the bla from blasphemy accusations were n never actually got around to get a death sentence from the government because, you know, all of them were killed by the mob. So it's really tense and it's getting worse in Pakistan. In like this whole Islam, you know, you guys like trust. And yeah, if these people could run away and go live in a country like France, they would do it in a heartbeat. And these are the same people who would wish the death penalty on people who draw the cartoon. I mean, the priorities are just so, you know, here's another thing, for example, Ali, look at the, um, go look at the protests against um, China. For example, in a country like Bangladesh, me and Susanna were comparing the pictures, right? If you look at Bangladesh, there were some protests, like we were fair, we're like, we didn't say, like, we didn't say like, there's no protests against China uh, in Bangladesh because, well, China is like putting millions of Muslims in concentration camps. And we just went and looked at the protests in Bangladesh and there was like a line of people. There was just like a line of people holding a sign and that was the, like the protest against China, China's mistreatment of Muslims. Uh, and that was a protest in Bangladesh. And then we put the picture of the protest against drawing cartoons in France. And then we looked at the people that showed up for that. 
and the and the compa- it, it was it was astronomically higher like the streets were flooded with people right so when and again we've been like looking at what all the people that speak at like we follow a lot of islamic channels right and we see them like they make offhand remarks and like oh yeah china bad right um but the obsession that they have over these cartoons um and how they condemn it. And some of them don't even talk about China. So especially the Pakistani and Iranian ones, they don't even condemn China, right? But to me, like, I feel like you guys don't even, you guys don't care about Muslims, right? Like, so it's not just about you care about Muslims, but you don't understand what's happening. The fact Mm -hmm. is that you don't give a shit about Muslims. First of all, you're not, you're, you're worse than tribal. For a lot of these content, for a lot of these Islamic activists, because at least if you were tribal, you would be like caring for Muslims' lives above other people's lives. You are even less than that, because to you, it's not just that Muslim lives matter to you above other people's lives. You guys. Not even Muslim lives matter to you. Muslim lives matters to us atheists more than most of these Islamic Dava people because they are more offended and some of them proudly so are more triggered and more upset about the fact that these cartoons are allowed of their dead prophet than they get more upset over that than Muslim blood painting the streets. They would not. And again, this is not even me saying this, okay? They proudly, some of them proudly say that they are more offended that the honor of their prophet is being questioned or that the prophet is being mocked more than all Muslims dying. They care about that more. They think that they they need to defend their, their prophet above all Muslims, and they, not even not even just other Muslims, not even just random Muslims. The fact they the fact that they care less about random Muslims less than the honor of the prophet, they go above that. They're like Muslims. I care about the honor of the prophet more than my own mother, and they say that as if that's a bra- as if that's a bragging right. So see the level of this is this is how the priority is fucked. Okay, this is so not only they're not tri- they're below tribal because if they were tribal they would care about Muslims. Not only they care about their prophet more than Muslims, and that they brag about it. They do they they come out and openly brag about the fact that they care about the prophet that who's not even being hurt by this, who's already fucking dead. They care about the, protecting his honor more than the lives of their member of their own family. I mean, if this doesn't show you how fucked your mind can get over um, religion, how big of a virus this dogma is, I don't know what else can convince you. This is the poison that this is mainstream. This is a mainstream claim. This is not when, when people say, I love the prophet more than my own mother. This, I'm not talking about the radicals. This is a mainstream claim. And they the fact that they brag about this, the fact that this, again, 
even these are even if these are people who don't go boom boom themselves over here and there and they kill a whole bunch of people. Okay, I have to say it like that because I don't know what YouTube. <laughs> you, you just uh, everything you just said in the last like two minutes. Yeah, long. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I had to. But the fact that the, that this the, the, how main the the influence that the, these bad and these priorities have on, on people on Muslim lives and other people's lives around them is a lot more significant than random acts of boom boom okay because we don't know we don't because we don't like you remember the more skewed your belief system is from ob objective reality the more your decisions are going to hurt you and what is in your best interest and the lives of everybody else that you come in touch with in ways that sometimes it's even unpredictable okay so don't don't think that Islam is screwing people's lives just because there's one attack here or one attack over there. Islam is screwing people's lives in so many different ways, way beyond these attacks. In some ways that we see and many other ways that we don't even see that doesn't get on the news. And the number one victims are always the Muslims themselves before anyone else. So, yeah, I mean, and then we get... And it's, it's not just the Muslims that get all of these wrong. It's also the non-Muslims that look at the news like this and like, oh, I think, oh, France is being Islamophobic. I guess this is too much. And like, guys, like the level of conversation that we are having about these things is so behind on where we should be that when we see somebody like Macron, even with all the mistakes they're going to make, this is like something we've been waiting for for decades, right? Like a, a non-far-right bigoted government coming out and taking a stance in a seemingly more nuanced way than other people. I mean, guys, we're still going to point out violations of human rights or betrayal of, betrayal of enlightenment values when you see it, even if it comes from someone like Macron, because we're not tribal like that, right? But again, this is something overall, this is something that if we see something that is even remotely close to what we were hoping for, we need to like hang on to it and we need to be like, Reward and people are like, oh, these are just politicians that are just doing this because they want votes and stuff. Okay, well, then give them the goddamn votes that they reward them with whatever they want because this is what we want to see more of. Like, oh, yeah, they're doing this for over again, then give them the votes. Oh, yeah, you politicians are doing this just because it gets some support. You, you think, well, then reward them with exactly what they you think they want so we see more of this. What kind of a response is that? Of course, yeah, of course. Yeah. Anyway, I, mean, I, I I I love everything you said. Okay. okay. So I'm in, and you're right. Like this is they value, they value a long dead prophet who is guaranteed to be in heaven for eternity. They value that someone who absolutely cannot be touched or hurt in any way more than vulnerable everyday human beings and their lives more than living people. Right. That's how that's how distorted that and that's what faith rots the human mind. Religious faith just rots the human mind. Right? Mm -hmm. Um Secular Proton is saying, I kind of understand Pakistan not condemning China. There is too much political pressure there. A poor country can't like Pakistan can't afford to criticize China. Okay. Don't <laughs> could could you go back? There's a beautiful spelling error there. The way he wrote criticize. Um it said 
yeah, okay, he corrected it. it said clitoris, which is beautiful. Anyway, um, did you pick that up? You didn't pick that up? Okay, no. I thought that was that gave me a little moment of pressure. It's a, there's something really funny about it. I just can't put my finger on it. Anyway, the um, <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> response. <laughs> okay, anyway, the, so Chris, I think it's a good joke by Ali. They, That's I, I think it's. Uh, I think I'm. I think somebody else came up with it, but I can't remember. Uh, so they can't criticize yet. Yeah, then don't do it with other things. Don't look like a hypocrite when you do that. And it is. This is something that, for example, the U.S. does with Saudi Arabia for years and years and years. They're always like, "Oh, human rights violations here, lack of religious freedom. We believe in democracy. We don't." And everyone, one of the biggest reasons that there was so much anti. American sentiment in the Muslim world. And this is one place where I think they had a point. It's like, why do they have unconditional support for Saudi Arabia? Why are they going holding hands of the bushes, holding hands with the king? And, you know, one guy's bowing to the king and other guys like giving the king a medal. Why do they do this stuff when they're going around talking about lack of religious freedom and lack of you know, all this? Stuff? Like, why? Why are they doing it? All the 15 of the 19 hijackers from 9-11 were, were from that country. So that kind of hypocrisy, that's, that's what you look like. It's just if you're not going to condemn China and then you're going to go around and talk about compare these uh the the what macron's doing to the yahtzee germany then then uh, you know you're stepping into the fire and you're gonna get burned you just are uh secular proton saying i lost at least five friends on facebook because i condemned the islamic attacks in france by adding a temporary profile picture uh yeah you know it happens uh, Erica is saying, but isn't doesn't that make sense if one is really religious, though? If one believes this life is just a test for eternity, what happens to people in this life that are not that important, unfortunately? No, Erica, you're completely right. right. It makes, yeah, it makes complete sense, and that's the problem. So it needs to be because it may, because their um, conclusions make sense if you accept the premises, the premises is what you need to go at not the conclusions because the thought process is correct if the th if a correct thought process leads you to such problematic uh, conclusions then you shouldn't be trying to reform the religion you should go for it at the roots because if you accept the foundations these are the right conclusions that you get get to right this is mm -hmm. why i'm not a reformist this is why you need to abolish islam and this uh, is actually why this is a great case for and this is where you know, like when when Christopher Hitchens used to talk about this, it's it's not enough. You know how they say it's not enough to be a racist; you have to be anti-racist. It's actually not enough to just be an atheist. When you see this is the kind of thing that makes it so important to be an anti-atheist, you have to be anti-theism. I mean, this is not something that you just sit there and say, "Ah, I'm just neutral towards it." This is something you have to actively fight against. Like religion is that kind of evil. Uh, Mars is go. saying, "What last question? Last all question. right, last question from Mars." Uh, how the international community, how how the international community react to this in twenty? Uh, I just sorry, I'm reading it wrong. How the international community will react to this in twenty twenty one will be interesting. Would world leaders like Biden back Macron in this climate? Um, yeah, I I don't know. Yeah. I I think that that is interesting. I think a lot of them are gonna watch and wait. They're gonna see how this turns out. Um, with Biden, uh, there is a question mm. of like, you know, you have Rashida Tlaib and you've got Ilhan Omar and you've got these influences that they need to keep sort of the the uh, the leftist part of the Democratic coalition together. So I don't know it's a, if it's a matter of 
uh, trying to appease that side or also or differentiating them from them, considering that they may be one of the reasons that they had a smaller margin of victory against Trump. So I, I, I think it'll be a watch and wait approach. I think they're seeing this. Macron, what Macron's doing right now is, is not something that many other liberal leaders have done. Uh, I think that this is the kind of thing that Obama would be on board with. Uh, so at least partially. I'd be very interested in seeing what Obama has to say about it too. I think Biden is going to have so many wrong, bad takes on Islam, and I'm I'm going to be there to highlight every single one. I think I bet you're going to talk about. It. Yeah, we're going to be highlighting some of them here on the show. I I, I can already see Biden having some really cringe takes on Islam. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure whatever all his bad takes, I'm, I don't think it's going to be as bad as Trump. But it's going to be bad enough for it to be worth. Well, I'm I'm glad we can talk about this again because it feels good to not have. This is one of the biggest reasons it was so important to get rid of Trump, and so we can have these conversations again, uh, you know, openly, because this was a hard thing to do before. He already had some major bad. I mean, he's the first. He quoted Hadith, and one of the worst, like a really bad Hadith. And he's been already saying some stuff that is like, yeah. I mean, to be fair, I get like that feeling whenever any politician quotes scripture from a position mm-hmm. uh, of authority. So, anyways, yeah, I, I bet he problem. stays. I, I bet he stays relatively quiet on it unless he really, no. really needs to go there. Like France had to do this because like there were terrorist attacks there. If that kind of thing happens here, and he has the opportunity. Uh, maybe he might feel strengthened. I, I don't know. We'll see. No, he's going to come out and say, like, Islam is so great and wonderful and so peaceful. He's going to say stuff like that, probably. I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I think uh, I think Macron's setting a, a good example. He's going to break in the mold and break in the, the kind of formula. That I mean, he set a good example, and Trudeau didn't follow it. Trudeau kind of, like, pissed all over it. So, I don't know. What did Anyways. Trudeau say about this? Tell me really quickly before we go. Trudeau said there needs to be limits to free speech. Yeah, what did Trudeau say about the Macron thing? No, that was his, like, he subtweeted Macron. He didn't uh, say Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Limit, yeah. yeah. That was ridiculous. It's so idiotic. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. All right. Cool, guys. Thank you, everybody. We're going to see you see next you time. Talk to you guys soon. Be a, become a patron so you can join us live. Link yeah. in the description. Bye. Yeah. The Secular Jihadists have been made possible thanks to the Illuminati and the covert support of Israel and the CIA. That's what we have been told, but we haven't received our checks yet. If you like what we do, please support us. Share the podcast with your friends, write and tweet us with topic and guest suggestions, or head over to secularjihadists.com and give a dollar or more for exclusive access to live video. Have your questions read and answered on the air and more. Till next time, may the flying spaghetti monster be with you. Thank <laughs> you.